and welcome to The Solve Network. My name is Shane Borza, and I'll be your host. Along with my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we'd like to welcome you. Our mission is to provide solutions and create a network of experts for you to learn from. Now, this show is a little different than most podcasts, as it is actually a live call held twice a month. If you can, please join us on the first and third Thursday of each month so you can get your questions answered live and direct from the experts themselves. If you're an expert, please contact me at shaneborza.com so you can be a part of the network. And now, here's our show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Guest Expert Series from the Solid Network. My name is Shane Borza, and I am the host, along with my co-founder, Benjamin. We'd like to welcome you here to another show. This week, we have Dr. Amanda Barrientes, who is an NFA coach, which stands for No Fucking Around, which is one of the things I, I love about her. Uh, she's also a neurofreedom alignment coach. She helps entrepreneurs train their brain to create freedom and alignment in both life and business. And what makes her unique is she coaches from coupling her social science background with her real life experiences, which was going from food stamps to six figures, which I think is incredibly impressive. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, a climber, creator, and coach. And I want you to build the skill of health and fitness. My new course is a priceless gift to you, and it's available exclusively on PonoQuest.com. That's P-O-N-O-Quest.com. Build the Skill is a minimalistic, functional, real-world fitness program which can help you to move better and get stronger faster. I can't wait for you to check it out. And when you do, please let me know how it helps you. That's build the skill at PonoQuest.com. If you saw her blog post, which was Get Mindset Aligned to Scale Your Business, that's one of the focuses we're going to be talking about tonight. But Dr. Amanda does bring a wealth of background and expertise. So I'm interested to see where we go. I'm sure we'll have a lot of different points of the conversation. So Dr. Amanda, thank you so much for being here and please take it away. Awesome. Thank you, Shane. It was fun because um, I got to release your pot. You're in my interview to it released recently. And so today in my newsletter to my crew, I had you in there. So which is awesome. I love getting to share knowledge with amazing people in the world. So, you know, everyone who ends up getting to listen to this, I'm glad that you're here. And one of the things I like to start with is asking people to think about the number one thing that keeps them stuck. And often people will talk about money, time, fear, doubt, uncertainty, procrastination, environments. And there's all kinds of things that come up when we ask this question. And something that's been really incredibly fun for me in my entrepreneurial endeavors of helping people overcome themselves is seeing the big patterns that occur that across all entrepreneurs of all types. So, you know, I've worked with people who are in startups all the way up to multi-million dollar companies, and they they have common patterns of things that hold them back. And as I started to work with people and realize this, I decided to call it competing commitments. 
So I coined this term to talk about the ways in which our conscious and unconscious thoughts, decisions, and actions get out of alignment and prevent us from creating what we say we want to create. So anytime we're in a situation where we say, oh, I really want to create, let's, let's say weight loss is, is an issue for you. You go, I really want to lose 50 pounds, but then you see yourself eating a whole bunch of Oreos every night. And you can't understand why you have this block and can't move forward. And most people talk a lot about mindset, you know, how mindset is 80% of your success. And we hear this over and over and we understand that like, oh, mindset matters a lot. But it when we don't really dig into the unconscious drivers of how to shift our mindset, it doesn't do us much good to know, oh, my mindset really matters. But if I have these unconscious beliefs that are holding me back, what am I supposed to do about that? And, and we don't even know it's unconscious, you know? So it kind of sometimes makes me think about, you know, back in the day um, on Saturday Night Live when it was, uh, oh man, the guy's name, he used to sit in the mirror and stare at himself and give affirmations, right? Like, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> and awesome, you're, you are at least cheering yourself on. But if you don't believe it somewhere in your being, it's because you have those unconscious drivers that are holding you back. So what I love to dig into with people is getting unstuck and understand what how to unlock your potential yes Stuart Smalley yes thank you <laughs> and and really take it to the next level and the reason that it, this started for me too is because I had a lot of competing commitments so I was really stuck in victim mindset on food stamps you know some of it was circumstantial I was in grad school I had gotten divorced my ex-husband lost his job and here I am in grad school with three kids and one of the most elite, uh, high, co high cost of living places in the United States. And so I'm facing homelessness and I'm going like, oh, wow, my life is really in the gutter. And I was, you know, was just constant thinking about money and fear around it and not really knowing that I had the power to change anything. And I actually stepped into coaching, uh, I went through relationship world. I had, I had a 15 year marriage. I left my marriage having an affair. So I had very few relationship skills and I had almost no financial wealth building skills. And so here I am on the floor crying one night and I realized like, okay, I'm the center of my issues. I've got to do something about this. And because I didn't have a lot of money, I turned to podcasts and started listening to everything I could on, on personal growth and development. And I started with relationships and some codependency stuff. And then that led to money. And then this led to entrepreneurship because I thought, okay, if I stay in, in academia, I'm not going to be able to get out of this hole that I've created. And I started to shift toward going like, I love teaching. I really want to be a coach. And then that has led me to really understand the way that people's mind works when they are put into a situation where they get figured, uh, triggered fear. So building a business can be scary. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a huge learning curve. There's a lot of financial instability. There's a lot of, of, you know, a lot of passion, inspiration, and, and wanting to go in a certain direction. But then I would see these people hesitating and procrastinating. So they would say, I really want to build my business to six figures. And then they would be on Facebook all day, just goofing around and not taking any action. And so the more and more I dug into it, the more that I could see somewhere in, in us, there's those unconscious beliefs that we got downloaded when we were kids. So it could be things like money is the root of all evil. If you have that belief system, but you want to build a successful business, you have a competing commitment. And what's going to happen is that because 95% of our unconscious system is in control of us, 
the 95% is going to win out every time over the 5%. So we're going to say, I want a successful business, but underneath the surface of all that, we go, oh, money's bad. I might turn into a jerk. People might not like me. What if I try and fail? Like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? All these questions that come up. And so then you're not going to take action in the direction you want to go. And so these are the things that I really love to work on with people. And it's been incredibly transformational to dig into people's money stories and dig into their the, the belief systems they have that are keeping them held back. Unlock those and then watch people in one in one minute, you can change a thought that changes everything in your future. So, you know, your, your outer world is a reflection of your inner world and your thoughts create your reality. So once you unlock those thoughts and you understand and you bring it to your conscious awareness, you can shift really quickly. The struggle is that it's pretty hard to do this on your own <laughs> because if you could, you'd already be unstuck and you would get there faster. So, you know, it, once you learn strategies to deal with it, you can shift in a new direction. But it's why I think coaching is so powerful is because you have someone there seeing the blind spots and showing you the way and helping you see the things that you can't see. And it comes up in your languaging. It comes up in the way that you're procrastinating. So anytime you are feeling out of alignment. I tell people to look for their feelings. So we go, okay, how do I know that I even have a, con a, a competing commitment? Well, if you're not getting the results you say you want, you have a competing commitment. If you wake up every day and you feel horrible about what you're doing, or you feel very scared and frustrated and stuck, you have competing commitments. So anytime you're out of alignment means that you're going to be you're going to be repressing, you're going to be repelling and pushing away what you want to create. So all of this has led me into this really lovely, wonderful world of manifestation and magnetism and law of attraction. And so the, my favorite things are to help people get aligned, which means drop their competing commitments, step into their fullest power so they can access all of their potential and then say exactly what they want, be clear with their zone of genius activities, step into it powerfully and create and manifest whatever they want in their life and their business and their relationships with their money. And yeah, that, that's where I'll start. I can keep going, but <laughs> I don't know how many, I don't know if anyone wants to ask questions or if you want me to keep talking, I can. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll jump in. I, I think that's a great overview. Like, like I mentioned in the beginning, you have a lot of kind of different aspects of your professional development and experience and training. And I, I really love the kind of synergistic way you've brought all that together. And so I think that was a really great way to kind of overview all the different interests you have and the way that you've pulled them together. Yeah. And the, the thing that I would like to have you go into more is talking about manifesting, because I think there's a big difference between what manifesting actually is and what people think of it. And I have heard on, I also listen to a lot of podcasts, including yours, which everyone should listen to, that, uh, you know, the, the, the problem with manifesting is that if you just say things you don't believe, then nothing is going to happen because like you were saying, you're, you're kind of uh, not in alignment. You know, you're, you're saying one thing, but believing something else. So that's something that I would love to have you dive in, into more. So what would you say is the, I guess, the, the union between alignment and manifestation. Yeah, it's such a fun one because when you're in alignment, everything flows towards you 
abundantly, quickly, easily because you're in alignment, because you don't have any of those competing commitments. So a lot of people will say, oh, the law of attraction doesn't work for me. And, and I say to that, the law of attraction works for everyone, either in your favor or against you. <laughs> and, and what that has to do with is if you're not in alignment and you actually have a whole bunch of beliefs against what you say you want, you're not going to, you're going to get the opposite of what you think you want. So a really simple example of manifestation going awry is when people go, well, I've been saying that I want, I want to get rid of my debt. And, and what your brain hears there is debt and it focuses on the debt, right? So instead of focusing on the solution to making more money and building your wealth, you're focusing on your debt. So you get more debt. So the, the law of attraction doesn't really hear the negative parts. It just goes, it's, it'd be like telling a dog, don't sit, don't sit, don't sit. The dog hears sit because it's been trained to sit. You've been telling it, teaching it sit, 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 sit. And then you say, don't sit. It just hears sit because the don't doesn't register in its mind. And so, or, you know, however dog's brains work, but it, it'll sit. Even if you say don't sit, same thing with the law of attraction. You go, oh, I'm so freaked out by my debt. I've got to make more money. You're sending out this desperate, needy signal to the universe and you end up getting more debt. So what you want to focus on is what you want to focus on is what expands. So you don't want to focus on the debt because the debt expands. You want to focus on how do I come up with productive solutions that I can take action on to build my wealth. And you focus on that. So, you know, like when I started this work, I had, you know, uh, I had, I didn't have a lot of debt, credit card debt, but I have a lot of student loans. And so I look at my student loans. I don't even call them debt. I say I have student loan investments in myself right? Because I don't want to think of it as a debt. That is, a, it's a loan that someone gave in, gave to me to, that believed in me to get a PhD, right? So I go, awesome. That was a huge, wonderful, amazing investment in myself. I look forward to paying every penny of it back because it's again, investing in myself. And so I focus on, oh, how many clients do I need to serve in order to pay back my student loan investments? right? Then I'm focusing on clients to serve. That's attracting clients my way instead of focusing on the debt part of it. So there's an easy example there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we're speaking of alignment that I'm really aligned with you. I try to, uh, cause I, I come out of training people with, uh, for, for physical training. And that's where my coaching came from initially. And uh, same, same thing. People tend to concentrate, you know, if you say don't do something, they end up doing it because like you said, with the sit example, you know, they're hearing the thing that you're saying not to do. And then they in or unintentionally will then almost like be forced to respond with the thing. you know. So one of the things that they, they always taught us when I have a a number of certifications through strong first, and they always said, tell people what you want them to do, not what you don't want them to do. Yeah. And, and the way that they structured that was, uh, kind of, uh, positive statements as opposed to negative statements. So they'd say, uh, be, be careful instead of don't drop the weight <laughs> or, yeah. you know, yeah. use good form instead of don't do this because again, you're, you're reinforcing that, yeah. but it's also, I think the vision. So you're seeing the way you want them to do it. And then you're almost giving them the picture so they can see the way that they want to do it. And yeah. then it's like, it's a chain of like the positive outcome as opposed to the negative outcome. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so powerful. What's coming up for me when you say this is also the way our brain works, you know, is based on our reticular activating system or our RAS. So it's always tracking for information based on the input you put into it. So our words are really incredibly powerful. And what we put into it, what we program our brain to look for is what we're going to seek in our environment in terms of confirmation bias. So our brain is a filtering system looking for what we believe to be true. Right. And that's what, where all those unconscious beliefs come in. So if you're looking to your environment for to prove to yourself that money is bad, you're going to find a whole bunch of people in the in your surroundings that are greedy, selfish, do bad things. You're going to see it in the movies. And, and that's what you're going to track for. If instead you're like, oh, wealth is abundant. It helps people be generous. Those are the people that make the biggest impact in the world. You're going to track for that. And you're going to see that. So it's like those words, like when you're talking about the gym example, it's like you're tracking when you hear the words, like, you know, don't drop the weight, your brain's tracking, drop the, dropping the weight, dropping the weight, dropping the weight. And it happens because of the confirmation bias aspect. So we always want to program into ourselves, what direction do we want to go? What do we want to have expand? What energy do we want to attract to us? What energy do we want to become in order to be a magnet to that same energy? So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's wild to listen to the way people, the words they use, right? Like anytime you hear yourself saying, I have to, I, I like, if you're sitting there saying, I have to get up and let's say you're a, a person who does cold calling for your business. I have to do cold calls today. Like you are sending out the most repellent energy. And when you get on the phone to call someone, they are going to feel that whether that you're saying it or not. So you want to be going, I can't wait. I look forward to, I am committed to. And then you want to be looking for the outcome of those calls. So you go like, oh, I'm going to set myself up for success by getting up and going, I I am so looking forward to making an impact in people's lives. And the more people I call, the bigger impact I get to make. That shifts your energy in a completely different direction than like, oh, I have to make my calls today. It's a very, it's very slight, simple shifts. But what happens is your outer world shows you what you're thinking on the inside. This is why I love to do money work because money is such a tangible, concrete form of reflecting back at you, your subconscious beliefs. So if your money's abundant and flowing, it means internally you believe the world is abundant and flowing. If your money's stuck and not flowing well, if somewhere in you, you have the belief that you're not enough, that the world isn't abundant, that, that money is bad, like there's something in there to start to pick apart in the, that competing commitments system in your, in your internal subconscious and, and conscious drivers. You mentioned earlier that like 95% of our operating system is the unconscious and that the and that you only have the the five percent that isn't and how the 95 percent will, will generally kind of win most of the time so when it comes to alignment when it comes to this awareness of your perspective or the words and setting yourself up to kind of manifest you know the outcome that you want how, what, what would you say is maybe the the top one or two things to have that five percent beat beat out that the majority percentage of us, which is that unconscious programming. Yeah. So it's, it's becoming more conscious so that your conscious starts to win over your subconscious. So actually, you know, people who are very into consciousness studies or into mindfulness or doing this kind of work in the world where they're, they're becoming masters over themselves, they don't let their unconscious drive them in the same way. So it's a, 
it's a lifelong practice. And the way I think about it is like, okay, on average, people are run by their unconscious by 95% of people. But when you start to step above that average, you train your brain in a different direction. So our brain creates neural pathways of least resistance, right? So the way I like to think about this is if you go to a sled hill and you see a sled going down the hill over and over and over, and you see that track and it just gets faster and faster and faster, your first thought does the same thing. So you have an automatic response to something that's the path of least resistance. So if you've trained your brain to instantly go to panic and fear around money, every time you get, you have a money, let's say issue, you know, in quotes or problem, you're going to go straight to panic and fear because it's your automatic path of least resistance, which then causes you to fight, flight, freeze, and then keeps the cycle going. So someone who wants to shift in a new direction gets to choose to be conscious and go, okay, I'm noticing that every time I sit down to talk about money or think about money, I get a little bit freaked out. I'm going to practice a three minute breathing meditation before I sit down to look at my books and do my PL for the month. And I'm going to, I'm going to have a cup of tea and some nice music. And I'm going to, I'm going to look at this as, okay, what I appreciate appreciates. So I'm going to start being responsible steward of my money. And I'm dedicated and committed to that from this day forward. The past is history. If you're a victim of your history, you can never be a master of your destiny. So you step into it with an empowered place. And then you start to create new neural pathways because you start to teach yourself that you're actually responsible and capable with money. And then next time you go to do the money, you have a little less resistance and you're starting to create new neural pathways. And then over time, it becomes automatic. So I I talk, my podcast is Max Potential Habits. So I think a lot about habits and everything in our brain is a habit. Like our brain is a habit producing machine and it is really efficient. So when you want to change something, you've actually got to be very strategic about it. It's strategic habit formation is what I call it. So for a short period of time, some, it, it depends on the habit that you're trying to break and how long you've had it in the history. Sometimes it can take a week. Sometimes on average, they say it takes 66 days, but I think it really depends on your history and how embedded it is in your brain. You know, let's say for 30 days, you practice something new every day, you're creating new neural pathways through setting that intention and following through. And then it's going to get easier and easier to the point where someday you look back and you go, whoa, I don't even have the automatic response anymore of panic when I think about money. And so it's really fun to self-reflect and look back and go, oh, wow, I've completely changed my behaviors and my responses. My reactivity have turned into responses. And I'm very able to be mindful in these new ways about things that used to hold me back. I'm sure that's very similar to other things that you know people used to do. And whether it's a kind of food they used to like or an activity that they did or didn't do, or, or even a belief system. I, I know people who have said like, oh, I can't do that. And then a couple of years later, it's like they're they're doing the thing they didn't believe they could previously do. And uh, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you know, remember 10 years ago, the old you? And they're like, oh, I don't even like that anymore. You know, so, so yeah, there's something to be said about kind of turning that. Uh, I, li- I like the analogy of the, the path and the sled hill, you know, because eventually it becomes almost like a chute, you know, and then it's uh, like, that's the expressway down the hill. You know, you're not going through that deep snow and just getting bogged down and, and it, it does take some time, but you can develop it. And it's almost like without uh, knowing it. And again, going back to like sports, you know, when you're first, whether it's baseball or soccer or anything, you know, at first you, you, you can't do those complicated plays because your head's trying to figure out like, 
where do I put the ball and what do I do? And I can't keep up with everything's happening so fast. And then, you know, a season later, you can do all that stuff almost without thinking about it. You just go into yeah. kind of automatic uh, response because you developed those yeah. patterns, your instincts take over, and then, yeah, all those neural pathways as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, uh, and it's interesting, I haven't heard uh, 66 days. So I wanted to ask you, because I, I'm sure people have heard different, you know, oh, it's uh, it's 20 days, it's 40 days, it's 66 days, whatever it might be. You mentioned the different habits take, you know, maybe different amounts of effort or different amounts of time. Can, can you speak to how to maybe help people recognize like, oh, this might take me a long time to develop a, a different habit around this thing as opposed to, oh, th th this, you know, may only be uh, a few days or a few instances or maybe a week or two. This is a much faster cycle of changing. Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on the complexity of how your brain is attached to the benefits of the habit. So we will never, ever do something that we consciously think is going to be a drawback. <laughs> so this is why, for example, let's say we we drink beer every night and we want to quit drinking beer every night. But your brain, it thinks it, on the level of pleasure, we're animals, right? So we go from we, we live by the pleasure pain principle and we want to seek pleasure and avoid pain. So we see it as more pleasurable to drink the beer every night than to avoid it because then that would be painful. So if that's really, if that's a habit that you've had for 50 years, it's going to take longer for you potentially to, to behaviorally change it because you've got to start having enough good times from not drinking beer and, and starting to associate that. And then your brain will go, oh, I actually see more benefits to not drinking than drinking. The cool thing is that in, in neuroscience research, you can actually, you know, with different methods, you can actually change your thoughts in an instant by shifting the way you see perceive something. Our brain is so so much more powerful than people know. Like we often think in habit formation, it's the doing. Like doing is the, habits are the doing part of your life, right? But your habits are driven by your thoughts and your beliefs and your perceptions. So if you have, so you've got to go there first. It's why I say to scale your business, you've got to focus on mindset because you can work your butt off for years trying to build a business, trying keyword, right? But, but if you don't have the mindset alignment that it's possible for you and believe in yourself and know that you can be a confident entrepreneur who makes money and, and you've unblocked all that, you can get there 10 times more quickly, right? Overnight, you can open the doors of opportunity by having the belief system around it and then taking action in the direction. So manifestation and habits go together in big ways because your habits are just a byproduct or an outcome or a symptom of your thoughts. So for me, it's really easy to see when people are out of alignment because I go, oh, you're saying this and you're doing this competing commitment, right? And that's all habit formation. It's a habitual thought that you've had going on potentially since childhood. So when you ask the question, how long does it take to change? It's very dependent on how resistant people are to shifting their belief system and taking action in a new direction. And that varies across people, which is like, it's interesting because the habit research, um, it wasn't a very big study. I can't, I want to say it was a 21 day study and it, it wasn't with very many subjects. And, you know, I'm a researcher. So I, I know like, you know, when I look at that, I'm like, it's interesting that the whole world has latched onto the scientific research and said 66 days is the number from this one 
one body of this one article, basically this one research study. And so when I look at that, I go, "Eh, yeah, I mean, it varies people. A lot of people will say 21 days to 66 days. I mean, it, it really is dependent on many factors from my perspective, but you can change in an instant. It it doesn't mean that your all of your world is gonna change instantly because it takes time to undo some of the history of the things that you've created in an outward way, but your thought can change in an instant and then your behavior will change, your decisions will change, then your results will change. And so you're always planting seeds into the future. Like right now you're planting the seeds for five years from now, you know? And so you go, okay, I wanna change something in the future, like change it today and it'll have a ripple effect over time, but it's not always gonna instantly show up in your outer world. Does that make sense? Yes, and what it, it's funny, I haven't thought about this in a long time because this happened like uh, 20 years ago, but my uncle who had been a lifelong smoker had tried like, I mean, these are like the uh, cigarette days, you know, if you remember yeah. c- or cigarette, uh, late night infomercial commercials, things like that. Uh, you know, he'd done nicotine gum, he'd done the patch, he'd done this, he'd done that. And he just kept always going back to smoking. And uh, I don't know, I'd been away for a while or something and I came home and, and like, he didn't smoke anymore. And I was like, oh, hey, you've been trying for years to quit. What happened? He's like, well, my wife told me she was pregnant. And like, see? Overnight, yeah, because exactly. he kept telling every, everyone kept telling him to quit. And so he said, fine, I will. But he didn't really want to. He was just saying yeah. that. But when he decided, oh, I really want to stop immediately because yeah. I don't want to have a house that, that has, yeah. you know, smells like smoke for my wife to be pregnant, for her to have a baby, you know, all this stuff. As soon as that mindset changed, his yeah. habit immediately changed overnight. And he said he never had any issues with it. Yeah. So I My think that, that same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I think that that's because I have heard a lot of people say, Oh, well, I've, I've tried for, you know, 10 years to do this thing and I can't ever do it. And then you hear other people be like, Oh, well, I just decided not to do that anymore. And, and I think that disconnect is exactly what we talked about. Like it's, it's really genuinely having that thought change happen. And then the behavior happens because of the thought change and the people who struggle for 10 years it's because they don't really if they're being honest want to necessarily do it so like you're saying that that alignment isn't there you know there's that disconnect yeah right and what it really is is that it's interesting one of the the most prominent scholars on habits research is james clear he wrote atomic habits and he talks about identity transformation you've got to have an identity transformation and mindset is identity right so if you say I'm trying to quit smoking versus I'm not a smoker. Do you hear the difference in those phrases? Like trying is you're perpetually trying to do something. You haven't succeeded. It's not your identity. Whereas, so if someone offers you a cigarette and you say, I'm trying to quit smoking, you can feel the doubt in that. You know, it's not a decision. It's like, I might quit. I might not. I'm trying, right? (laughs) You're either committed or you're trying. And so if instead you say, I'm not a smoker, that's an identity shift. Right. That's where you actually change your mindset to align with the committed decision in a totally different direction. And it's why I think it's so powerful when something like that happens to trigger us in our lives to make a very serious decision and and pivot quickly. It's because all of a sudden you think of yourself differently and you've changed your identity and you've made a powerful decision in a new direction because you see more benefits to that new decision than to the old decision. So in his mind, he probably went like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a kid and I don't 
want to be a smoker. I, I got to live a long time. I want to see my grandkids even potentially, you know? And so now all of a sudden he has in his brain more stacked benefits for not smoking than for smoking. It's, it's wild to see how it, it's so fun to watch humans in, in action. <laughs> yeah. And, and the stack points we have, and it's actually so simple, really. If you can remember just going, okay, I'm saying one thing, I'm doing another, go back to the root of the belief. So it could be like, go back to the first time you smoked the cigarette and start thinking like, what felt so good about it? What was I trying to experience? And then start to see the benefits of it and get conscious of the benefits that you're, because we, we, what we usually think is we try to tell people like, oh, you're drinking and it's all, it's bad, 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 or smoking. It's bad, 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 but your brain's going, but it sure doesn't feel bad, Right. So your brain thinks there's more benefits than drawbacks. So you've actually got to bring to your conscious awareness, what are the benefits my brain sees and then replace those with something else so that then the benefits shift. So you go like, oh, smoking gives me a break outside. Smoking, you know, gives me, it gives me a little buzz. It makes my body shift. So then you go, those are, you start to see, oh, that's what my brain's attached to. How can I replace that? But we, we, we forget the part of looking at what the benefits are to the perceived bad thing we're doing. Yeah, I think that's that's really powerful. And I, I hope everyone pays attention to that because I think especially our American culture, you know, based on Puritans, it was all that, you know, these things are bad. And yeah. they would just double down on a lot of those messages about anything that you know societally wasn't acceptable. And didn't necessarily even have discussions or open communication about that. It was just things to be shunned, things to be not talked about or not discussed or not educated about or what have you. And instead, if you can kind of open that up and say, well, well why, why do I want to do this? Or, or why did I start? I, I think that's a really powerful question because quite often, and, uh, and this happened, all my uh, addictions are like societally acceptable. You know, I used to run and, and, you yeah. know, exercise all the time and way too much. And uh, one of the things that I did in, uh, from like high school to college was I just kept going like, and, and I used the titling actually to get away with some of this stuff where I'd say like, oh, you know, I'm on the track team. So I need to run every day. And then it's like, oh, I'm not on the track team because I'm not in high school anymore. So, um, well, I'm a 510K uh, runner, um, or I'm a half marathoner. Oh, I'm a marathoner. And then people were like, oh, well, it's it's okay for him to run for a couple hours a day because he's a marathoner. And I would introduce myself like that. So it would almost be like an excuse to be like, it's okay that I'm kind of weird because I'm a marathoner, you know? And yeah. it, But the problem with that for me was, I just kept feeding my addiction of like uh, compulsively exercising and using exercise to like uh, fix other issues in life. You know, like, oh, I need a couple hours of being by myself. So I'll just go run for hours and hours and hours. And that was uh, kind of a crutch to not deal with some of those issues. But it all started because, well, why was I running? Because I just loved to exercise. I love to be outside. I love to feel strong. Uh, but it then kind of morphed into like a negative, you know? And so I think if people can address like, why did I start doing this in the first place? Cause that's not what I'm doing this for anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, or 
or or like you were talking about with the smoking, like what's the joy that I'm getting from this or what's the effect that I'm getting from this? How can I replace yeah. that with something else? Yeah. You know? And um, so I think that is a very positive way to, like you said earlier, kind of come more into alignment with yourself and not have that competing commitment where you're saying one thing and doing the other. And so I think that that in, in every person is going to, you know, come up for them in a different way. You know, for my uncle who was smoking until he found out his wife was pregnant and then, oh, now I'm in alignment. You know, now the result can happen. Yeah. So, so when it comes to some of these things, like you mentioned the atomic, have, uh, atomic habits is really about identity. What would you say is the next step for someone? So if, if someone says, oh, um, you know, I'm trying to quit smoking and they realize like, oh, I'm going to use this kind of labeling as like, no, I'm going to establish like I'm a non-smoker, like I don't smoke. And they go, great, okay, you've you've kind of given yourself this new title, you're looking at it in a different way. Well, well now what? So what's the next step after they do that? I mean, in the smoking example, you would start by actually, you'd, you'd, you'd have to decide and commit very clearly, right? I'm not a smoker anymore. So then you start adopting that identity and playing with it and you go, what does a non-smoker do? They don't go outside and smoke. They say no to cigarettes. They don't go to the store and buy cigarettes. So it's like you start owning that identity and then your behavior changes. That's in the most simplistic way of someone. I mean, it, it, it is not usually that simple because it's similar to affirmations where you, you know, you look in the mirror and go, I'm a multimillionaire an entrepreneur. Like if you're not, your brain's like, you're full of crap, you know, like, yeah, right. So you've really got to make a powerful decision. So you, you start work doing the brain work and going, okay, what are the benefits I'm getting from the cigarettes? How am I going to start to replace that? And you've got to, for a, a period of time, you've got to strategically be high on hyper-conscious alert. So it's like going, okay, at five o'clock every day, I like to have a cigarette. So at five o'clock every day, I'm going to instead go on a walk around the block. And you very consciously premeditatively go, I'm not a smoker and I have healthy lungs. So every day at five o'clock, I'm going to go on a walk around the block. And then you breathe through it and you sit through like the desires and the cravings that will come up, especially with nicotine, because it's one of those that's like actually a physical, you, you get physically addicted to it, which is, you know, a mindset too. It's like, we can go, Okay, great. My body's going to like feel funny for a couple of days. I can live through it. I'm not going to die. But it's it, the, the hardest part of, I think, anything in life is having people be conscious. Not most people in the microwave mentality society we live in want instant pleasure and instant gratification. That's why quitting smoking is hard because it's way easier to smoke the cigarette to feel good than it is to do something else to feel good right? Until you shift in the direction of realizing like, oh, I actually don't like to smell bad. I don't like it when my lungs hurt. I don't like thinking about getting cancer in the future. I don't like it when other people are looking at me like I shouldn't be doing that. Like you start to stack all those and you go like, huh, what decision do I want to consciously make? And most people, it, you know, we struggle with this as humans. It's, it's to be a consciousness self master person is how to be successful, but not everyone wants to take that on. So if, if you're, you know, people who are listening or watching, if that is something you want to take on, then start to do what it takes to become a master of yourself and masters in themselves. See, like I always, I love, a, I think, it, I don't know if it was Brian Tracy or which, you know, big player in the personal growth and development industry. It might've been um, Tony Robbins that said like success leaves clues, right? Success leaves clues. So if you want to be a highly successful person in the world, look at what the highly successful people in the world are doing and do that. 
It's the simplest strategy you can possibly do to change your habits. You go, okay, what are the top five habits of the most highly successful entrepreneurs? Follow that. That's why, you know, I have max potential habits and I have people give their top three max potential habits because they're successful people doing great things in the world and you want to follow success. So if you are in a space where you're feeling stuck and you feel like, God, I'm saying one thing, I'm doing another, I'm not getting the results I want. You've got to look within and you've got to make the decision and the commitment to start to shift in new directions and just do it one degree at a time. You know, one, one small degree, if you take one step every day over the course of the year, you will see dramatic shifts. That's another thing that people tend to take on too much change at once. And then it's overwhelming. You know, it's like, it's why most people set goals at the beginning of the year that they never follow through on by the end of February. They don't even remember the goals they set at the beginning of January because they do 50 goals and they're so incredibly stretched from where they are now that they are setting themselves up for failure immediately. So I always tell people to go, okay, let's look at three overarching goals for the year. And let's see, let's first look at who do you need to be in order to accomplish those? And then what's the system that's going to get you there? It's not just like some lofty, like, oh, I want to build a million dollar business this year and have no plan, no strategy, no belief <laughs> that it clearly isn't going to work well. But we, we, we get, we get a high, we actually get a high from setting goals and getting ourselves all excited and then not taking action. So, you know, when you're in alignment, you're actually, you're aligned with your thoughts, decisions, and actions right? It's like you, you decide, you commit, you take action in a direction, and then the universe shows you the way. Scene one, Apple, take one. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, your content creator coach. I have two books on filmmaking, Film Notes, where you learn to write, direct, and produce, and the Film Notes workbook, where you can learn checklists and paperwork to streamline creating your content. Available at shaneborza.com. I also have filmmaker resources like the paperwork bundle with over 300 documents, the sound effects bundle with almost 3,000 files, and the music bundle featuring 900 tracks of all genres. Want to build your professional credits? Become an associate producer and get listed on IMDb. Let me help you get your art out into the world. Scene one, Apple, take one. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Solve Network. As a reminder, these calls are held live on the first and third Thursday of each month. If you'd like to join us as either a listener or guest expert, please contact me at shaneborza.com. On behalf of my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we're glad you are a part of the network and hope you are finding solutions. If you need solutions, please reach out.